people. I hope that you are safe and well and that all your family and friends and loved ones are safe and well. It has been a while. I realized that it's been, what, three weeks? Four weeks? Three weeks. I should have probably counted this since I uh, released an episode. Whoops. I did say that I was going to try and record uh, some stuff while I was doing my bike ride, which we're going to talk about today because... I quit it. But it didn't really end up working out too well. I had an iPhone and a pair of headphones and I just, at, at the end of the day, I was too damn tired. I couldn't even think well enough to put two sentences together. So I did not record anything. Some of you may know that I was posting updates on Instagram as I was going. Uh, the account is Sarah N. Jenny. I named my bike Jenny in honour of my mother. We were supposed to go on trips this summer. Well, I was supposed to go to Australia for a little while and then her and I were supposed to go to Cornwall together, but we weren't able to travel. And as you've heard before, my mum was an avid cyclist. So I decided, why not name my bike after my mum? And then we could have a little trip together. Sort of, not really. But as many of you know, I did do this big bike ride. I set out with the goal to go from Seoul to Busan on a three-speed ladies bike. And it kind of worked and it kind of didn't. So I'm going to talk about that experience today and why I ended up quitting. I quit 106 kilometers short of my goal. It was really, really disappointing. But yeah, there's a lot of things that went into that and I'm mainly going to focus on like the feelings I had throughout the experience because when I was planning this, it felt like if I did a day by day, this happened, this happened, this happened, it would kind of be like getting invited over to Shazza and Daz's house when they got back from their bucket list trip to Paris and they had you for dinner and then after dinner, you got pulled into the lounge room and they made you sit through three hours of fucking photos and videos and all the damn croissants they ate. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to focus on why I did this trip, how I felt during it, and what I have learned from it. So let's start with the why. Okay, the why is I just wanted this one particular bike. And this isn't a fancy bike. It's not a mountain bike or a road bike or a hybrid bike or anything like that. It is your typical old style Dutch bike, ladies bike, city bike, whatever you want to call it. It's got the big handlebars and basket on the front, rack on the back. Uh, I like that style. I find it comfortable because I'm not really a cyclist, okay? I enjoy biking places. I enjoy biking to the beach, to the grocery store, to the markets. I don't actually want to see how fast I can get up a hill or how quickly I can go from one place to another. That is not what I'm into at all. So there was this particular bike that I wanted I couldn't find one locally, but there was a store in Seoul that was carrying this particular style of bike that I wanted. Bonus, it was an Australian brand. Yay, read bikes. Uh, and so I decided, okay, well, I'm going to get this bike from Seoul. I looked into getting it shipped down. I'd have to get it put together when it got here, but that wasn't too much of a deal. And they're only going to charge me like 20,001 to ship it. So that's like, I don't know, 17 US dollars uh, conversions. Uh. But then it came out that, or it, I came to the realization 
that traveling home was just not going to be happening this year. There wasn't going to be any trips to Australia, no trips to New Jersey, and we were going to spend the entire summer break that we would usually have going to see family in Korea. Not a bad thing, but you know, that's that's kind of a big chunk of what we do in the year is go and visit people. So I thought, why not take advantage of where I'm going to be and what I want to do? I could take the train up to Seoul, I could pick up the bike, and then I could do the Four Rivers bike trail back to Busan. So this is a pretty famous thing for people to do. You can go all the way from Incheon, which is up near Seoul, down to Busan. Uh, and I thought, why not? I've got nothing else really going on. It would be really nice to get away and have some distance from work and have a little bit of time to myself to really reflect on what was going on in my life, what had been happening throughout the year with work, what was happening around the world socially and everything like that. So I called my mum and I'm like, hey, I've got this crazy idea. I think I might do this. She's like, yeah, go for it. And so I tell my husband and he's like, "Uh uh-huh, okay, if that's what you want to do, I'll support you. (laughs) So I spent a couple of weeks ordering all the things I would need so that I could carry all my stuff on the bike, talking about it with people and people just assuming I was crazy, which they're kind of correct. Uh, This is not the type of bike that you would typically do this trip on. But I figured, hey, I'll take my time. I'm not in a rush. I could take two to three weeks to do this. That was the plan. So the day after work finished, I caught the train up to Seoul, hung out with some friends for the weekend, and then Monday morning, I rock up at the bike shop and I'm like, I'm here to pick up the bike. Now, I had called them ahead of time and I'm like, hey, I would like this bike. I want to come pick it up on Monday. Can you have it all ready to go? I'm going to ride it back to Busan. And the very nice sales assistant on the other end of the phone just said, hmm, that is going to be very hard. And I was like, yeah, I know. I'm not going to be rushing. I'm just going to take my time. I'm going to camp along the way. And he's like, okay. (laughs) And so I could tell that he didn't really believe that I understood what I was getting myself into. So I rock up Monday morning, bike's ready to go. I pay for it. I say, thank you very much. They take a photo of me with this bike, probably because they can't believe what I'm doing. (laughs) And I load all my stuff up onto the bike and head across the bridge uh, of the Hunt River for the first time because I ended up crossing that river multiple times. And yeah, I was on my way. Now, I do want to address the fact that people didn't seem to think I knew what I was doing when I decided, hey, I'm going to take this bike and I'm going to ride it this far on this thing. Sure, I hadn't ridden this particular bike track before, but I grew up around cycling and cyclists and my mum was not only doing it for fundraising purposes and fitness, but she was competitive. She would compete every Friday uh, with the cycling club. She did road racing. She did the Masters Games. My sister got into cycling as kind of a addition to her triathlons and stuff like that my stepdad fixed bikes at our house so people would bring them over and he'd be doing all the maintenance on them and so I I understood that the bike that I was using for this purpose was not going to be ideal I also understood that along the way there were going to be hills that would require me to actually get off and push my bike because three gears you're not really going to be getting too far up a up a decent size hill But yeah, so I had 
I had an idea of how bizarre my choice was, but you know, there's nothing to say that it can't be done. People do it on folding bikes all the time. And granted, a lot of folding bikes have come a long way and they have a much wider gear range than mine did. But yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought, why not go for the challenge? As I said, I'm not going to go through the day-to-day uh, aspects of it. What I will say is the track is beautiful in a lot of parts. You're going through gorgeous riverside pathways and through different national parks and things like that. You go through a lot of villages, you pass a lot of farms, but then there's also other areas where it's like mm, a bit industrial, not really much to see, but that's everywhere, you know. You really get to see parts of the country that you wouldn't normally see as a tourist if you show up here. If you just come to Korea for a couple of weeks, you're going to do Seoul. You might come to Busan. There's a couple of other spots that you might hit up, but you're not really going to get to go through the middle of the country and see what everyday life looks like for a lot of people. So I really loved that, going to smaller cities, smaller towns. Oh, and another really cool thing. So since I've been back, Scott and I have started watching Kingdom. It's on Netflix. It's a Korean drama. Not a drama, not like a K-drama. It's a... Oh, what would you say? Thriller? Horror? It's not really horror. It's not super horror, but it's a period drama, super, super cool with zombies. So there's this really complex setup between like politics and zombies. And since we started watching that, there's a lot of these city states and cities that, well, not city states, but cities that they're talking about, historical locations that were really, really important at that time that I wouldn't have had a clue where they were or what they were talking about, except for for the fact that I rode my bike through them or past them or near them or I slept there. So Sangju is one that's mentioned a lot. Munyong Saja is one that's mentioned a lot. I am sorry um, that I'm probably pronouncing those names incorrectly and I'm happy to receive correction. So <laughs> feel free to contact me and tell me how to say it properly. But that's been really cool that I can now see things and make connections that I wouldn't have been able to make before this. But as I said, I'm not going to go through the day-to-day, -day. oh, I went here and I stopped here and I ate this. I'm going to talk about the feelings that I experienced along the way and kind of the revelations that I had. So I ended up cycling for nine days, biking, not cycling, we won't say cycling. I ended up biking for nine days and I did 494 kilometers, which, you know, not too shabby in nine days on a ladies bike with a rest day in the middle there. And the thing that I just could not seem to get over this whole time or this emotion that I couldn't seem to get past was fear. I was scared almost the entire time. I was scared of not really knowing where the track was going to end up, how much was going to be on bike path, how much was going to be on road, exactly where the hills were going to be located. There's a lot of blogs out there and information out there, but trying to marry that with the map that you have and, and figuring it out for that day, I just didn't do a very good job of that. So there was a lot of unknowns happening. I also didn't really know where I was going to sleep every night. I set out with this idea of, oh, I'm going to camp and I'll save some money. And that didn't really work past the first night. The first night I found a campsite. I was the only person there and I was just freaked out the entire time. About three in the morning, I, I thought I heard someone coming towards my tent. I just, it made me so uncomfortable. And from that moment on, I was like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to camp again. And two days later, I ended up 
up sending my all my camping gear back to Busan through the mail. So there was that aspect of where am I going to stay tonight? Is that going to be safe? Am I going to find a good motel or guest house or whatever it's going to be? So those two things like the unknown, the unknowns of the track, the unknowns of accommodation, and then there was a lot of anxiety around not being able to communicate. I don't speak Korean at all. I mean, I, I can say a few words to be polite. I can ask for things. But if someone answers me, chances are I'm not going to have a clue what's being said. And this is all on me. I should have studied more. I should have, you know, put more time and effort into this during the year. But not being able to communicate just created this level of, okay, am I going to be able to get my point across? I could use translators. I could do all these things. And people were really kind and wanting to help. But yeah, it did add to this level of anxiety that I was experiencing. And then back to the fear, Korea is one of the safest places to travel, especially as a woman. Like this isn't really a country where you have to fear for your safety in the same way that you would in the US or in Europe or even in Australia. I can walk around at three o'clock in the morning and no one's really going to bother me or even look at me. It's a very, very, very safe country as far as not getting robbed is concerned. The chances of getting mugged or anything like that, super, super, super low. But I had this constant fear of being a female by myself. Like that's just something that is so ingrained in me that when I was on my own and, you know, I wasn't traveling with friends, I wasn't traveling with Scott, it it really came to the forefront of even in one of the most safe, even in one of the safest countries in the world, I'm still scared of being alone as a woman. I'm still scared that I'm going to get targeted as um, an easy mark or uh, whatever that may be just because I'm a woman. And I didn't really have any reason to believe that here in particular, but I think it's just part of that conditioning for women in general of, you know, you constantly have to fear for your safety because people will take advantage of you just because of your sex. That was kind of the hard part. The fear and the anxiety was the challenge, more so than the actual physical aspect of riding. The riding wasn't that hard. Yes, my ass got sore. Um, It was not as challenging as I expected it to be. The first day I did 40 something K and I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty good. And then over the next couple of days doing 50, 60 was fine. I think my longest day I managed was 89 kilometers. Now that day I was definitely feeling it more than other days. Um, And even my knees felt it a little bit that day. But the riding, the physical riding itself was not a huge deal. It was the emotional side of things that really got to me. So along with the fear and the anxiety, there was definitely a sense of isolation. Again, coming mainly back to the, the language Uh, aspect of it because I don't speak Korean I was isolating myself uh, from being able to communicate with other people from being able to chat with other people at little rest stops little biking they have these little biking rest stops where there's you know little stores and things like that and I was just kind of keeping to myself while other people were all chatting with each other because I didn't know how to communicate again all on me that's my responsibility But it definitely contributed to this feeling of, of, I wouldn't say loneliness. I didn't feel lonely, but isolated in some ways. 
So that's kind of the negative stuff out of the way, the fear, the anxiety, the isolation. But the two really big positives I took out of this was admiration. Um, I was admiring uh, the landscape itself. It was really, really beautiful. There are some parts of Korea that just you don't see people for a long time and you're going along the side of a riverbank and it's nature and it's birds and you'll see the fish jumping out of the water or turtles or whatever it is it's really really stunning and then it made me admire and appreciate everything that my mum did when I was younger like I was a teenager when she was doing a lot of her cycling stuff so I didn't pay much attention to it I was way more consumed with my own life and just having that experience of being out on the bike for hours and getting from one place to another and having to get up the next morning and do it all over again just really made me see her in a new light. And then there were these two guys along the way that I admire a lot. I saw them the first time when I was coming through a a village before it was the day before like you climbed the Munyong range Uh, and I was going to stop that night in a village just before the climb so that I could have a nice sleep and then I get up in the morning when it's nice and cool and do the climb all in one day that's not what ended up happening but anyway I was riding into this village that I was going to stay at there was one motel there and I'm coming through uh, the town just before it which is like three k's ahead of it and I see these two guys two white guys pushing trolleys or shopping carts down the middle of the road and we're kind of in a very like I wouldn't say it's a an unpopulated area as I said I'm in a town and then there's a village I'm going to so there are there's stuff around but not a whole lot there's definitely not a supermarket for them to get shopping carts from so I'm just kind of looking and feeling a bit hesitant and so I, I just ride past them and I don't really think too much of it except where on earth did you get them and what are you doing where are you going I kept going on to that next village I showed up at the motel and the motel was boarded shut like shut shut okay I'm gonna go back to that previous town and see if there's motels there so I turn around and I'm riding back and the guys had now progressed Um, I would say probably like a K and a half, maybe 2K since I'd seen them previously. And coming towards them instead of coming from behind, I could see the signs on the front of their shopping carts. And they said in both Korean and English, um, Incheon to Busan or Seoul to Busan. One guy said Incheon, one guy said Seoul. Dawned on me, these guys have been pushing these shopping carts since soul and I was a bit confused by this but again kind of preoccupied with I need to find a motel and somewhere to stay tonight so as I was coming past them this second time I just waved and I'm like hey guys good luck they waved back I headed up to the next town get to the town two motels in that town they're also both shut Uh, I don't know if this area was closing down because of coronavirus. I don't know if it was just, you know, not as much tourism there anymore. I don't know what it was. Anyway, all of my options in this particular, let's say, five kilometer radius were exhausted. I go and I ask, there's a a museum in town. So I stop by there thinking that someone there's most likely going to have a bit of English. And sure enough, one of the guys comes out and he's he's happy to talk to me. And I'm like, okay, well... My plan is to go to Busan, but I was going to, you know, stay here the night. Do you know of anywhere that I could stay? And he's like, well, you could head back to where you came from, the city I'd just come from, which is like 40 k's away and over a big hill, uh, or you can keep going. It was 
four o'clock in the afternoon, I decide, all right, I'm just going to suck it up. I'm going to go over this hill today. And I'm thinking as I'm riding back, oh, at some point, I'm probably going to pass these guys with their shopping carts, but I don't see them. I get on the hill, I'm going up the hill. I don't stay on my bike for very long. Now, this climb, this Mungyung climb, is a five-kilometer climb, and you end up going, I think, up 500 meters. Yes, in the end. It's, it's a decent climb. So I was pushing my bike up the most of it. This is also where I got overtaken by a kid who I swear was no older than 10, but he and his dad, they were cycling up the hill and there he is with his road bike and his padded shorts and everything. And he just, he was going for it. Very impressive. So I'm walking up the hill, I'm riding from time to time, but mainly walking. And I don't see these guys with the shopping carts. Get to the top of the hill, there's a rest area there. There's always also a spot where you can like stamp your little thing to say, hey, I came this far on this track. Uh, and there are these two guys sitting up there with their shopping carts. And I thought, well, I need to find out what's going on here. So I go over and I say hi and how's it all going and what are you guys up to? And they're like, oh yeah, we're going to Busan. And I'm like, cool, how long is it gonna take you? And they're like, oh, we think it's gonna be about nine days. Nine days pushing shopping carts. That works out to be about 70 kilometers a day. So if they started in Chon and going to Busan, it's 633 kilometers, about 70K a day. And I was just floored. I couldn't believe it. And when I asked them why, they're like, why not? And I thought, fair enough. You know, got to have something to do while coronavirus is stopping us from going anywhere or doing anything. So I said goodbye to them, headed down the hill, went and found a really nice hotel to stay up for two days, which was beautiful. That's where I had my rest day. I really admire those two guys for what they were doing. So I thought that I was doing something special and something amazing by pushing myself on this little old lady's bike all the way to Busan. And then there they are with their shopping carts in nine days. So they're like running slash walking. 70k day I just don't my mind still can't really process that and then the final thing that I really felt strongly throughout this trip was an appreciation Um, appreciation for having the freedom to do this having the ability to do it having the time to do it appreciation for my husband and having someone usually you know that I can travel with and can can work with and and be a team with and support each other and all those sorts of things and it seems I don't know if it's borderline like I don't want to say oh I need him to be able to do these things because it's definitely not that but there's a certain level of comfort that comes from having a partner to do these things with. Now that's not to say I wish you would have come on the bike ride. Sorry honey I'm really glad you didn't. Uh, I really really appreciated the alone time. But I am, I think, more grateful now for that partnership that I benefit from. And my final note of appreciation goes to Korea. This country is beautiful. It is safe. It is welcoming. I cannot explain how much I appreciate being in a country where I, as a woman, can go out and try these things by myself and feel confident and comfortable 
after the fact. <laughs> um, as I said, I was pretty scared and pretty anxious during the fact. But I think a lot of that, as I mentioned before, comes from the conditioning that I've had in previous experiences. And, you know, there was the last couple of countries I lived in, the idea of a woman riding across the country alone on a bicycle that that would just be insane. I mean, it would be insane in Australia if I said I'm going to ride from Perth to Sydney by myself on a bicycle. That would be a little bit bonkers. So I greatly appreciate Korea and the the opportunities that it's giving me to figure out more things about myself. Now, I know what you all want to hear about. You want to hear about why I quit. Why did I get 106K away from the end and give up? All right, so here's the quitting bit. I set out day nine. My goal, I'd stayed just outside of Daegu that night and my goal was to get to Namji the, that day. And the way that I'd kind of set it up, partially because of that fear and anxiety I was talking about, I'd figured that I could be home in about three days. So there was the day nine, day 10, day 11. I should have been home around day 11. My weather forecast app also said that rain was coming. So I was like, okay, I want to get home. I want to be in my own bed. I want to eat some fried chicken and I don't want to get wet. That kind of drove me to try and get home faster. Anyway, I get up in the morning. I set out from Daegu and this is a Monday. So there are way less people on the bike path. You know, the weekend is over. Everyone's back at work. I saw three people in the morning and then I didn't see anyone else for the rest of the day. I did this ride in a few different spurts. It was nice and flat to begin with, going along a beautiful river. And so I'd stop periodically, mainly because it was really hot. I hadn't really prepared for just being in direct sun. Uh, so it was a bit steamy. So I pulled up a few times and then I got to a spot that had a big ridge or range, kind of like a range. If you're, if you're listening and you're from Queensland, think um, Sunshine Coast and think of like going up to Montville or Mullaney or somewhere like that. You've got to climb that range to get up there. That was this kind of hill that I was facing. This one was the... It was kind of a mix. It wasn't the longest one I did and it also wasn't the steepest one I did, but it was kind of in between there. Relatively steep, relatively long. And it was really hot. So I was pushing my bike up and I stopped a couple of times along the way. There was these really nice little shelters built along the sides uh, for bikers and hikers to, to stop. But an important part of this is there was no separate bike path going up or down this hill, okay? Um, a lot of times along the track, you will be on a completely separate bike path, but especially when you're going over hills, a lot of the time bikes are then on the shoulder of the road and it's painted and there's like, you know, I would say a meter and a half strip of road and they paint it red and it's got a little bike picture on it, but you're sharing the road with traffic. So I was pushing my bike up the hill I get to the top and I start walking down and the bike lane crosses to one side of the road. It stays on the one side of the road and whether you're coming up or down, that's the side the bikes are expected to be on. So I go and I cross over. That puts me in a position where I'm going into oncoming traffic. Now, my brakes at this point had been not as responsive as I wanted to and it was still a pretty steep decline. So I decided that I'd push my bike down the hill as well. So I'm walking in the bike lane and there's a concrete retaining wall and then myself and then my bike. 
So I'm kind of in between those two things. And we're coming into a corner. So you got to think like I'm hugging the corner, basically coming into oncoming traffic. And all of a sudden, what seems like flying around the corner is this white delivery truck. And it is fully in the bike lane. Like it is completely, almost completely covering it and very, very close to that cement retaining wall. And there is nothing I can do. Again, cement retaining wall, me, bike, road. I can't move into the road because the truck is there. I can't get away from the truck because there's a retaining wall there. And I just kind of froze, not not knowing what to do. I couldn't go anywhere. And the, the driver thankfully saw me and pulled the truck into the main driving lane. All I could think of in that moment is I need to get off this hill. I need to get off this hill. I need to get off this hill. So I crossed over the road and I was like, I don't even care that there isn't a bike path. I'm going to go down this way so that I'm on the same side as as traffic's traveling and hopefully anyone else who's coming down will see me in time. Now, there's not a whole ton of traffic. Uh, This is a pretty rural area, but there's a lot of farming happening and a lot of um, harvesting going on at this particular moment. And a lot of these trucks were carrying onions and I'd passed a lot of these onion farms. Anyway, get onto the same side of the road. I'm going down. I get to the bottom of the hill. There's a bridge. I cross the bridge and I end up back at a bike path, like its own dedicated bike path. And I just stopped and was bawling. Um, I think I'd started crying at some point across the bridge. And when I got to that bike path, I was just, yeah, I, I was so shaken by that experience. And so I called Um, My husband, I called Scott and I was like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. He was like, well, just let me know. You know, you think about it, take take some time to think. And if you need to come home, just let me know. I'll, I'll figure something out. And so I take a bit of time. I sit under a tree. I drink some water. And I'm like, you know, you know what, I'm going to try and try and get there. I'm on a bike path again now. So I'm just going to keep going. So I get back on my bike and I'm riding along and I'd say I do another 3K and the bike path runs out and I check on my map and there's the way that the Four Rivers path goes, but it's again joining onto a road now because there's another hill or I can take a shortcut, well not necessarily a shortcut, but avoid the hill by going on some main roads and getting to the next town. And I just, I, I couldn't make a decision. I couldn't figure out which way I was going to go. At one point I did decide, okay, I'm going to try and stick with the bike path. So I'm going to follow the four rivers signs. And I started down that road, but then a truck came around the corner. Now not coming fast, not even coming anywhere near me. I had plenty of space, but it just freaked me out. And so I turned around and I went back to the bike path and started crying again. (laughs) And I called Scott and I'm like, I just can't do it. I can't decide. I don't know which way to go. If I go to the left, this is the main road section and there's a lot of trucks going up there. Uh, Again, as I said, lots of farming around there. There was a lot of trucks and then there was this other way that was going to be going up and over a hill and I'd seen a truck on that side as well and I was just frozen. It didn't help that I was not in the middle of nowhere. I was very close to a little village. And I wasn't that far away from like a decent sized town, but I really didn't know how I was going to get there because it's, I'm not going to ride my bike there. I'm not going to walk there. I could try hitchhiking, but hitchhiking is not really a thing uh, here. And I have my bike. What am I going to do with my bike? So thankfully, my husband went over to our work and spoke to 
um, some of the people who work in the office there and they were able to find a company that had vans. It was a local taxi service and they had a van that was big enough to fit my bike in and they could come and pick me up and drive me back to Busan. And the drive took about an hour and a half. I cried a few times. But when that taxi came around the this this expressway section where it like pulls off into uh, turn off into Hyundai where where we are, I was just like, oh, thank God, I'm home. Now the next day, after I'd come home, I had a shower, I ate fried chicken, slept in my own bed. I was like, why didn't I just get the taxi to the next town? Like I could have just taken the taxi to the next town and then finished the ride. But I think at that moment where I was frozen with fear and anxiety and everything like that all I could think of is I just want to go home and that's what I did so I was 106k short and it, I kind of want to go back and do that 106ks I don't want to do it on my own and I don't want to do it on Jenny um, but I do want to finish that 106ks uh, before I before I move away from Korea but it was really interesting a couple of days earlier when I'd had kind of a, a big day um a friend messaged on Facebook and was talking about their experience. They'd ridden, I think it was from Melbourne to Brisbane, which is oh, so amazing. And he had said like, you know, your, your mind is going to give up before your body gives up. So you've just got to push through. And it's so true. Like when I was mentally done, I was just done. And it wasn't, it wasn't, as I said before, it wasn't the cycling or the biking part of it that was really hard. For me, it was the mental aspect of things. But yeah, so that's it. That's my trip. That's my biking that I quit. Adding it to the long list of quitting shit stuff things. But I'm back home safe and sound. Missing family terribly, but I know there are many people around the world who are missing family and friends and who are going through a lot right now as far as being isolated, being cut off from loved ones, not being able to visit family members and everything because of coronavirus. So... I, I'm definitely blessed. I'm very lucky to be in a country where we feel safe and secure, but yeah, missing, missing family a lot, missing family and friends a lot. So I hope you all stay well for the next week. I am going to finally start getting back into the habit of doing the podcast once a week. Still haven't figured out what I'm going to talk about next week yet. We'll see. It's either going to be something I've quit, something I'm trying to quit, or something we should all quit. I haven't figured out exactly what that's going to be yet we'll find out if you have any ideas especially if you know me and you know things that I've quit and you think would be funny for me to talk about well not necessarily funny but informative for me to talk about feel free to let me know and if you don't know me but you have any questions or suggestions or ideas or anything like that feel free to let me know I'm on Instagram and Twitter at quit shit podcast have a great week and don't quit too much shit (laughs) 